Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast by Center for New Medicine. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today I am interviewing Virginia Dixon, our Director of Inner Healing here at the Centers. And this is such a beautiful episode. We are talking about preparing for the holidays and how family gatherings can often be very triggering, very difficult, very emotional for many people. And we are going to go through what what are the root cause of some of those triggers? How do we navigate those triggers? How do we prepare ourselves for those family gatherings? And Virginia so beautifully breaks all of this down. We talk a little bit about unresolved trauma, repressed emotions, and how we can begin to process through those. But she also gives us very clear, tangible steps we can take to prepare for those gatherings and set boundaries in such a way that we can attend them, but not feel completely depleted after them, or maybe make the conscious decision to not attend at all, depending on what is right for us. So please enjoy this interview with our Director of Inner Healing, Virginia Dixon. Okay, well, Virginia Dixon, welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast by Center for New Medicine. And we are going to get into, with the holidays coming up, we're going to be talking about how to deal with triggers, how to deal with unresolved family trauma, especially when so many of us are going to family gatherings, we're seeing people maybe we don't see all the time, and it can bring up a lot for many, many people. So we're going to talk about how can we prepare ourselves better for that. But before we get into that, give us a little bit of your background, your education, and the role you play here at Center for New Medicine, Cancer Center for Healing. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. These discussions are close to my heart on so many levels. Um, my background is in clinical psychology. I graduated from the University of California in Irvine, and I continued neuroregeneration work with Dr. Cowden. And this last year, I completed a program studying trauma with Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, the author of The Body Keeps the Score. Such a good book. So it's an amazing book. The he's an amazing resource. Hmm. He's a brilliant mind. Perhaps mm-hmm. one of the greatest minds and authorities, I think, pertaining 
that's speaking to trauma. Yeah, I recommend that book but, all the time. Um, do you? Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, that said, I serve here at the Center for New Medicine as Director of Inner Healing. And perhaps one of my favorite roles is here mm. because we have an opportunity to deal with a broad range of patients and it's been an incredible learning experience mm -hmm. because I think we're all perfected through the things we suffer. So especially our patients at the Cancer Center for Healing, I think this is collaborative relationship I have with them. I come alongside and invite them into a place of rest where they can reconcile relational, emotional, and spiritual truth. Mm -hmm. We examine the life of the heart, the role of relationships, the meaning of pictures, and the value of the stories behind the pictures of their lives. And I think when we're not well or when we're in, in states of dis-ease, it's such a wonderful opportunity to... examine things I think mm -hmm. that otherwise we overlook mm -hmm. you and I were speaking a little bit earlier in life we become human doings and yeah. we forget how to be be human be, be, how to be again mm -hmm. just human beings right and one of the beautiful things that I think a lot of our patients have taught me and that I've learned in reflecting with them as we contemplate the narratives of their lives um, is how beautiful it is to stop and pause and think about many things that we otherwise would not consider. Mm -hmm. So it's wonderful. And the holidays, I think, are a se represent a season, right, yeah. of celebration. Mm -hmm. But we're kind of forced into that same mm -hmm. analysis of ourselves and relationships because sometimes they are, the, the holidays usher in a season of stress mm -hmm. and anxiety and I, for many people yeah and almost a season of obligation mm -hmm. i'd say is that's the sentiment i hear a lot from people is just you know these family gatherings they have to go to maybe there's some people they're excited to see but there may be a whole host of other people mm -hmm. they have no desire to see they would never see outside of these gatherings and so that's what we're really going to break down today is you know, some of us, maybe we are at a place where we say, I'm no longer going to sub subject myself to that. But for mm -hmm. those of us who are still attending these, maybe we're really working through some things. I want to give the listeners some really tangible ways they can help process those gatherings a little bit better, prepare for them, get through them. And then maybe after those gatherings are done, almost detox from the experiment. So but let's talk about this for anyone who may not be this may not be clicking with them why are family reunions so triggering for some people well, i think it's a great question certainly one we all think about and it's central to so much of my work but i think families are primary spheres of influence they know everything that can possibly be known about each other. Mm. On the other hand, what I have found to be interesting is our stories don't really begin in our homes. They begin in the home of the home of a home of our parents' parents' parents. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think we put a lot of pressure 
on ourselves and our families. And I think it is the primary sphere of influence where we kind of, we should be able to learn how to comfort and love and reconcile conflicts. But in the last 20, 30, 40 years, life has just become exponentially complicated. Hmm. And the structure of our families have changed so much. Family systems have become very complex. And I think the reason that the holidays exaggerate sometimes those incomplete transactions Mm -hmm. is because expectations. I think primarily it's expectations. It's a lot to be apart from each other when a lot of these specific things aren't reconciled in families and then once or twice a year to have to come together and be, and being is complicated because I said we've become human doings Mm -hmm. and it's part of the things that have fragmented our families from the get-go anyway. The holidays are stressful primarily because we just the pressure of those expectations from unresolved conflicts that we have become so fragmented in how we spend our time and how we live and how we love that those resolutions were not mm-hmm. completed perhaps mm-hmm. before we left our homes. Busyness, everybody's so overextended and tired that families don't gather like they used to perhaps. So we're talking a little bit about, you said, unresolved trauma, maybe unresolved emotions, repressed emotions Mm -hmm. from childhood, which so, so many of us, if not all of us, have. But I know some people have a hard time understanding trauma. They hear that and they think it's some really big incident that maybe happened in their childhood, or they think it's if they were physically abused or emotionally abused or sexually abused. And so it may not click with them, but childhood trauma can be also not having the attention you needed or just discord in the family can you just explain that a little bit better for the person who's like well i don't think i have any trauma but i still get so anxious around family gatherings what is that i in my opinion chances are they probably do Mm -hmm. have some unresolved trauma or at least repressed emotions from Mm -hmm. their childhood i think that's a great question dr vander kolk discussed in one of our last lectures his recent research around attachment and he concluded that early childhood and infringement and early childhood attachment has greater consequences adverse consequences in the life of a person than does surviving 9-11. So the people that were at ground zero in 9-11 are in better shape than a child who's growing up in a chaotic home where his emotional, spiritual, or physical health is regulated by the whims of the parent 
without them understanding the developmental needs of the child. Mm -hmm. And what are the fundamental developmental needs? Safety, love, comfort, provisions. If your mother was maybe so debilitated from her own childhood trauma that she couldn't give you the love that you needed or the love in the way that you needed, you could just grow up your whole life feeling very unknown or just like you didn't get what you needed as a kid and if that never I think what I've been learning is if that doesn't ever come out if you don't ever resolve that Mm -hmm. it's just again it's that festering wound that lingers and lingers and lingers and that's why when we get in these family gatherings it brings all that up consciously or subconsciously we're in there and our body knows our body knows there's unresolved things here Mm -hmm. and that's why I can't really connect with you the way I'd like to and maybe I don't even want to connect with you because what happened in the past was so traumatic and this is just so triggering for me but yeah I think helping people understand that even if maybe in your mind you had an idyllic childhood it's okay to say I still have unresolved things that I haven't worked through with my family with my siblings with my parents absolutely and I think a great resource that I reference often is how we love Although the book is written for couples, any human can read that book and reference their mom, their dad, their grandparents, Mm -hmm. and understand why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. So definitely understanding those family systems and understanding that those unresolved issues stay with us for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of a particular example that recently came to mind. And it was a young gal, she's married, has a beautiful baby, and just struggles with navigating the relationship between her mom and dad who divorced when she was nine, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And concluded that From the time I was nine and 10 years old, I felt like the parent to both my parents. Well, that child developmentally has this confused role in that family system. Hmm. And here she is in her 30s, and she's feeling exhausted by the weight of navigating her own marriage, her own parenting style, and the relationship with both of her parents that she feels like she still has to parent. Mm -hmm. And that's where a necessary boundary has to be established. Mm -hmm. And you can honor and respect your parents, but you're no longer a victim to that dynamic. Now you're choosing to continue to feel, right? Like you have to navigate all these relationships. And so we had a wonderful conversation and several aha moments on, wait a minute, here's a boundary I didn't have the power, the authority to establish as a child because I couldn't do anything about my circumstances. But now I'm not that child anymore and I need to have a loving conversation with my mom and explain that I'm physically and emotionally exhausted from the role I've had to step into Mm -hmm. as a child to be a parent to her. And then she has to look at dad 
and say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Both of them are going to make her feel guilty and like, how's this my fault? And I didn't ask you to do this and all of that. But that's where we have to set loving boundaries. This isn't about you. I'm talking about me. And I'm telling you that this is not sustainable. I love you. And you're my mom. Love you. You're my dad. And I'd love to spend the holidays with you. But this is how I'm changing and this is why and this is what it's going to mean to our relationship and that's a loving thing to do Mm -hmm. letting people know how if they want to be a part of your life how they can interact with you and it's not selfish I think that's just the first thing everyone goes to exactly and affirming that you want to be a part of their life as well Mm -hmm. but this is what it's going to require for us to have these healthy roles and I think a lot of healing can come to all of us if we can learn how to love well Mm -hmm. yeah and perhaps those parents hurt people hurt people that hurt people Mm -hmm. it just goes on if that's the case, however, some of those hurt people can decide, no, the hurt's going to stop here, and I can do it lovingly. Mm-hmm. But I think the focus is always on what people are doing to us, and we tend to complain mm-hmm. instead of considering, no, nobody's doing anything to us now. Maybe when we were children, we couldn't speak, we couldn't run, we couldn't do, we couldn't move out, certainly. We couldn't do a lot of those things, but those days are gone. Now I'm an adult and I'm a woman and I get to do these things and I desire to do these things. And because I love my mom and my dad, I wanna have these honest conversations with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting shifting. We're, we're kind of stuck in that childhood way of thinking mm-hmm. of just, there's nothing I can do here. This is how my parents are. I have mm. to let them behave this way or I have to interject when they behave this way. I have to let them treat me this way. And maybe that's also an aunt or an uncle or a sibling. But the reality is exactly what you said. We are individuals, capable adults now who have the ability and sometimes we just need the permission. And I think this is you giving them the permission. You mm. have the permission to step up and say, I'm not a child anymore this is how I can go through life feeling respected and loved and if you'd like to be a part of my life in a deep way deep and meaningful way this is how things maybe need to shift a little bit and that as you said is loving too because I think there's also this pervasive it's how we help each other it's how we can help each other become better people yeah exactly because it's not just about the parent being part of the child's life it's that child, that adult now, child, right? Mm-hmm. That child that is an adult now. Also affirming to the parent how much they're loved and how much they mean to us. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, but I was having a, a fantastic conversation with my daughter, and she was pouring, one of my kids, and she was pouring out her heart, talking about her own limitations and understanding and feeling a little bit guilty because she didn't feel comfortable inviting all the people that perhaps she desired to invite. Mm. But she understood her limitations. This is all I can handle given this tough year, first year of parenting and the dynamics and graduate school and, you know, first year of being Mm. a mom and things like that. And I respected her so much. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, a lot of the anxiety and the 
sadness and the frustration she's feeling with herself, she kind of got from me. Hmm. Because I always had an open door policy. The more, hmm. the merrier. And everybody came. And da-da. and so she's thinking, well, this is the way it's always supposed to be. Why? And this is what everyone expects. And this is whatever expectations. Mm-hmm. There goes expectations. And I just had to say, would you forgive me? Because perhaps as a parent, I wasn't as sensitive to her needs, even in planning and doing events, planning events for her, doing things with her that she had a whole different constitution and makeup than I had. Mm-hmm. And it was a great opportunity as she was vulnerable with the situation she found herself mm-hmm. in. It was a great opportunity for me to repair perhaps an infringement that I had overlooked mm-hmm. and to assure her that this was a wonderful thing to be able to identify and express those things. Mm-hmm. And that does, that, you, does that make sense? Yeah, and that you just as an important person in her life, respect her for who she is. You still love her, even though she's different. And I think sometimes we get these unconscious ideas in our mind, like if I'm different from my parents or I tell my parent I don't love this thing that they do love, maybe it's big gatherings, they're going to have less love for me. And I don't think that's necessarily a conscious Mm -hmm. thought that we have. It's Mm -hmm. just there in the background. And so it's beautiful that you were able to affirm to her I see that you are your own unique individual. You can be different from me. It does not diminish my love for you. Unfortunately, that's not what happens with a lot of people. For a lot of people, when they set those boundaries or when they start to express honestly who they are and what they think and what they feel, Mm -hmm. they actually get a lot of pushback or gaslighting from close ones and so I think too that's you know that's just one more thing that we need to navigate but also recognizing it's not on me to control their response to this the only thing I'm in in control of is me and I'm responsible for creating a life that is sustainable and that is healing and rejuvenating sustainability is a key word because the way we've been living for the last 40, 50 years is no longer sustainable. Mm -mm. And that's why we're seeing increase in depression and anxiety and um, frankly, mental health health disorders, that's that's absolutely right. The question is, are we willing to understand how we love, how we've attached, Hmm. how we comfort each other and are we willing to recognize the fact that this doing thing doesn't work when we were created to be Mm -hmm. to abide to be present how to listen with our hearts here we hear with our ears but we've got to listen with our hearts and I think if we can step into that we can discuss more easily discuss with joy and anticipation opportunities that we get together Mm -hmm. and we can look forward maybe that's it we can look forward to these opportunities to gather because we can take some deep breaths and realize there's a lot of cleansing that's taken place in me or that I desire to take place in me or that I'm hoping for Mm -hmm. in these relationships. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at these things with dread, 
we can begin to look at them as opportunities and invitations to rest, mm -hmm. to examine the foundations that have shaped the life of our heart, the role of our relationships, the meaning of these pictures that I have about my reality, and the value of my story. Because we're all perfected by the things we suffer. So if we can begin to look at the holidays, not as something we dread in terms of encountering everyone, but if we can go through the exercise of understanding how we love, how we've attached, and decide how we would like to show up, mm. not to get, but to give. Mm -hmm. And the best thing we can give is our attention, is being present, is listening. Well, I, first of all, I just love that you said that. And to me, what just came into my mind was, I mean, it really shifted my perspective literally in just two seconds of looking at the holidays as, you know, definitely a time of celebration and gathering, but also a time of refinement, refinement. because every trigger is trying to tell us something. And I think when we shift our mindset to look at it that way, it's still uncomfortable. And I think we have to get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's okay to sit in some of those icky feelings mm -hmm. and some of that tension, but instead of running from it, look at it and say, why do I get uncomfortable? Why am I so And where short? did it start? And exactly. where did it start? Because it did not start with that person sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. We think it did, but it does not. Triggers have deep, deep roots and they may not have even come from your family of origin. They have generational roots. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing. Can you share how far back we can our DNA can hold trauma? According to the work of Gilbert Renault and the work of Dr. Homer in German New Medicine, three and four generations. Hmm. But when a healing happens, when a restoration happens, when that breach is severed of whatever that generational conflict is, we're told the health of that transaction will span for a thousand generations. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we think of as these generational conflicts, right, that are magnified during the holidays as oh, curses that are never going to leave when in fact it's the exact opposite. These things can stay in our family three and four generations, but once they're reconciled, thousand generations so what if we showed up to these dreaded holiday occasions with this whole different mindset of understanding ourselves and thinking about what in me has deconstructed what in me has kind of fallen apart what in me perhaps was never fully reconciled whether it's identity or image or purpose and instead of looking at what wasn't right, what if we looked at those opportunities to reconcile, like you said, mm -hmm. I, I think you said it best, but looked at the holidays as an opportunity to really think about some things differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, again, just examine, you know, go into them almost instead of closed and fearful, eyes wide open. What is this gathering going to show me? What is this gathering mm -hmm. going to tell me about the things I have unresolved deep inside me? And I put here um, some tangible steps just so we can get practical. Yeah. Um, have a plan. 
For example, if you know you're going into a situation like the mom and the dad that were divorced, the dad continued to have multiple affairs, even on his five, six other wives. I forgot how many he had. And there's this breach in trust. There's just a fragmented relationship mm -hmm. with both parents. And for the first time in whatever years, they're going to come together and you're going to celebrate the holidays together. Set time limits. Know your limitations and set a time limit. Identify potential triggers before you go. Know who's safe and approachable because they're open to this phase of life that you're in and who's not. Be kind, respectful, affectionate. Mm -hmm but don't get sucked into toxic conversations that you know maybe some people are going to try and have. 100%. Mm -hmm. Regulate your own anxieties so you can avoid those toxic situations if they arise. One of the things, one of the examples that came to mind was perhaps you haven't seen your mom in a long time, probably haven't seen her most of the year because you're busy and you know her feelings are hurt but there's a lot of expectations she's bringing. She, she's got this whole thing, how mm -hmm. everything's going to work out. Mm -hmm. And you walk in the door, and the first thing she says, finally you got here. I thought you were going to call me before you left. Mm. So right when you walk in the door, it's met with a little bit of sarcasm and shame. And, and disappointment. And yeah, disappointment. All this negativity. And so she is nervous. She doesn't know what else to say. And she's so happy to see you. But all she knows is you walked in the door and her fear and everything, her central nervous system is completely hijacked by this flood of feelings and emotions and all these things she's been burying all year. And she, as those words come out of her mouth, she says to herself, why did I just say that? Mm. Or not. She might feel your shock and follow that statement up with 15 other insulting statements. Mm -hmm. And it's her own triggers. And it's her own triggers. Yeah. So instead of saying, this is why I don't come, because the minute I walk in the door, I'm met with criticisms or shame or judgment. And in those moments, you need to stop yourself if you're the guest in this home, right? And you need to say, I didn't come here to get or take anything. I came here to give. It's my gift. We talk about, we think about the holidays as things we need to do, buy, get, give. What if the only thing we thought about was how can I serve? How can I love? What if our gift this holiday was to show up to these perhaps difficult engagements and decide and purpose to give not get and no matter what's done or said to me I will reach for that highest ideal and that's what I'm going to hang on to mm -hmm. and I don't think we're talking here about martyrdom where it's no. saying um, if your family wants you to stay at the gathering for 10 hours you give yourself and you just stay for 10 hours i mean as you said perfectly i love that first one you mentioned which is set a time limit because you know i'll speak for myself and say first of all i'm an introvert so i already have 
anxiety. Limited, li- not anxiety, but just limited time that I can spend with large groups of people. It limited resources. Me. It exhausts me. But especially if it is a larger group of people and people I don't necessarily connect with well, mm-hmm. that time limit goes down even shorter. But that is such a great one. If you communicate that to yourself, to anyone who's coming with you, to the family that you're going to see, I'm so excited to come. I'm going to be staying from about this time to this time. It's going to be so great. Then, you know, maybe it's just a little easier to stick to that, to make that transition. Maybe even have, uh, I don't want to say like a partner in crime with you who can say, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what you said. I can tell you're reaching your limit. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, remember, hold to this. Let's let's head out soon or something like that. I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Set time limits. Identify potential triggers beforehand. You know what your triggers are with specific family members. And remember that this trigger is something going off inside of you now. Overlook a perceived offense. We often make the mistake of judging our insides by what we perceive somebody's outsides to be communicating to us. Mm -hmm. And there's this instant conflict. And you need to put all that aside. Mm -hmm. I think just show up and take everybody at face value and think the best of whatever they can give you in that moment. Mm -hmm. And understand that often people have their own perceptions that they come to these events. So it's not just you. It's everyone is in that same boat. But I think the fundamental problem beyond the complexities and the fragmentations and the complexities of family systems, I think it's the expectation and the fear, the anxiety, and the have-tos instead of Mm want-tos of coming to these events. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can regulate those things, Mm -hmm. that's good. Um, The other thing I said I, I had considered was you need to leave all expectations at home Mm. and wonder about others people are all going through a great deal to in today's day to age like we haven't seen in recent history so wonder care and ask about them don't just show up physically just take some deep cleansing breaths and be present one question i have among several others is as much as we can we want to try to have these very deep raw conversations with people in our life if there is unresolved issues between them Mm -hmm. i think at some point we should at least try to have them now Mm -hmm. some people will respond with compassion and growth and they will grow with you Mm -hmm. but other people will gaslight you deny Mm -hmm. it until the day you die and so Mm -hmm. what i are you talking about at these events uh, yeah Uh at these events and so what i'm wondering is for people who If you're going to a family gathering and you know this one person or these two couple of people just spew toxicity, should I even try to have conversations with them or should I just keep myself distance? Should I keep it surface level? Should I even expose myself to that? We can't assume that everyone's on our same pilgrimage. As a matter of fact, they're not. I think the most productive thing to do in situations like that is be cordial and kind. One of the things that that I do in situations like that, I usually take the initiative to greet those people. It's usually one or two. Mm -hmm. 
because my focus isn't so much in how they make me feel. I realize that the conflict is within them. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure they feel heard, seen, loved, understood. Mm -hmm. And that always diminishes anxiety. So they'll probably be one of the first people I greet at an event. Mm -hmm. Not that it happens every time. I don't have a lot of those dynamics. But... And sometimes I've embraced them and been moved to tears Mm. because I feel their pain and their sadness. And I'm genuinely so happy to bring something to them. See, when I go to events like this or I know a situation, I'm walking into a potentially difficult situation, I intuitively prepare myself to take absolutely nothing from that, Mm -hmm. but to give, Mm -hmm. especially during the holidays. Mm -hmm. During the course of the year, I'm so busy and I have so many things going on that I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. But during the holidays, when we know we're gonna gather and see each other, it's an amazing opportunity to embrace sometimes those hostile people that you know are talking behind your back. Mm-hmm. and are speaking disparagingly about you and your work and whatever, those are the people I feel probably most love for and compassion mm-hmm. for because it's such a tormenting state of mind. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it's amazing. It's like ice, chunks of ice Whoa. just fall off. Sometimes you can see the measure of discomfort, guilt, shame, who knows what they've said or done or whatever, but that's between them and God. That's completely inconsequential to me. I don't spend a minute thinking Mm. about those things. I love how you said, don't come into it with expectations. I think, you know, we gather with our families once or twice a year, and maybe it's the once or twice a year that we also see the people we do genuinely love and miss and want to be around Mm -hmm. but it's also in this big group and so we i think we do come into it with expectations of we're so burnt out we're so exhausted from doing 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 and i don't want to be here not only am i burnt out am i exhausted but i don't want to be here i just i really just want to be here to see those five people not the other 20 people here and so but we go into it our cups are empty and we want to be filled but it's not the environment to be filled that's right it's not the time or the place and so i think what i'm just thinking in my head is maybe a great first of all absolutely come into it without expectations thinking this isn't the environment to have my cup filled. But if I really, really want to have some good conversations with a couple people here, make it a point to, as soon as you get there, come to them and say, hey, I know there's so many people to talk to. There's so many different things happening, but I'd really love to have 20 or 30 minutes, just me and you, Mm -hmm. you know, off in the corner in another room in the backyard somewhere where we could really connect deeply. Mm -hmm. You know, reach out to those people who you're there to really see and make it a point Mm -hmm. to communicate that to them and then spend that time with them at some point. The most valuable thing we can give each other is our presence. Showing love to people is also, as we said before, standing in your boundaries, knowing what you are And I like that you said that because I hear this often. I'm dreading encountering my sister-in-law because she just doesn't stop talking. She just doesn't stop, doesn't stop, and it's all about her. 
Well, but why are you frustrated with your sister-in-law or your mother-in-law or whoever that doesn't stop? Why is, are they the source of your frustration? The person you're really frustrated with is yourself. For because remaining in that you, situation. Remaining in that situation and you're going back and having that menta- victim mentality from whatever season or stage or whatever circumstance you found yourself as a child where you couldn't speak, you couldn't move, you couldn't get out of a situation that you were in. But you're not that child anymore. And that's why I say be have levels of self-awareness. Understand your triggers. And when that person's talking, say, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, bring it to a conclusion and then say, let me see if I heard you correctly. While they're talking nonstop, they're having this monologue, say, let me see if I heard you correctly. So you had an amazing year and you've got a new job that you love. That's fantastic. Just wrap it up Mm. and say, I'm so glad you shared that with me because I knew from last time we talked that you hadn't had a job in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so this must be invigorating. Well, not really. I'm still not making enough money. Well, it's wonderful though. You got a job and I can see you look amazing. Mm -hmm. Find something. Yeah. And then you have maybe you have your hour. wrap it's it so up with something and give them a hug and whatever or say it's fantastic. I need to connect with a few people that I haven't seen in a long time, but we'll catch up in a little while. Mm-hmm. Or it was and so nice to, catching up. Yeah, I'm there so are many glad. other people I'd really I'm really looking to connect with during Before this time too. So I'm gonna go chat with so and so now. Right. You know, I think the big thing that. is don't complain about people keeping you on the phone. Don't complain that such and such calls you only to complain all the time. Don't complain about gossiping. Don't complain because if all those things are happening, it's because you're allowing them to happen. Mm-hmm. So you need to find respectful ways to bring things to a conclusion. And there's a lot of resources Mm -hmm. to help you do that. I love that. The most important resource is I'm uncomfortable and I'm starting to tune out. If you're starting to tune out, you can even say, you know what? I haven't eaten all day and I'm listening to your words and I'm having a hard time tracking. But I'm so happy we connected for a few minutes. I'm going to grab a little bite and then I'll catch up with you in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's a million ways. Mm -hmm. And then pray. Ask God to give you wisdom, what to do in that moment, and mm-hmm. you will have an out. Mm-hmm. What we can do to prepare our hearts and our minds during a, ga- a gathering to remain calm and peaceful is to take our eyes off of ourselves and consider that these people that are bitter, contentious, disengaged, unhappy, critical, whatever the thing is, just consider that they're deregulated internally. They're not okay. They're struggling. And I can moderate as a listener what those conversations look like, mm-hmm. just like you're moderating this conversation mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just the compassion, changing the expectations. So now two more questions before we wrap this up. And it's been so, so beautiful is if you know that this gathering is 
more than just uncomfortable, if it's truly toxic, if fights break out in these gatherings, do you recommend people still force themselves to go to those? Or do you believe it's okay to say, this is too toxic for me to I think attend? That, I think that's an important question. Usually when that kind of environment breaks out, I think there's alcohol involved or some kind of drug use. Hmm. When I've heard of situations like that from clients and patients, if a situation, I know everyone's going to be in a drunken stupor, probably go early, make an appearance, give everyone a hug, have a bite, and bid everyone farewell and blessings, and mm. it's a good way to stay connected. No, I would not go and hang out and just be there. By the way, I've never been to an event that I wasn't blessed tenfold for every ounce of intentionality and intention in extending kindness and love and showing up and being present. I've always left more blessed, leave, feeling like I took more than I left. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think, I think when we go with that mindset, yeah. you'll be blessed yeah. whether you can stay for an hour or five hours. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to acknowledge too, there are just so many ebbs and flows to life. And even if you enjoy going to these family gatherings, mm -hmm. I think it's perfectly okay to just acknowledge if you're whatever place you're in, maybe you have a newborn child, maybe you just had mm -hmm. an incredibly stressful year, whatever it is, if you're just feeling like it's too much, whether they're a toxic family or not, I think it's absolutely okay to just say, it's too much for mm -hmm. me. Maybe I can only go for two hours. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just can't go at all. Maybe the travel is too that's much. That's a great question. Um, I think you need to really, whatever you do, do it with integrity and kindness and love. There are those times that I simply am not able to make it because that would be the fourth stop of the day and it's just not humanly possible. Mm -hmm to show up mm -hmm. but again it goes down to it goes it comes down to l understanding my limits expressing clearly on the front end I'm so excited to go I'm not going to be able to stay the whole time but I can't wait to see you and I wouldn't miss this for the world mm -hmm. I want to go and give you a hug mm -hmm. and if you can't manage go, expectations yeah and if you can't attend for whatever reason communicating to them it's not because I don't want to be there if it's truly not, you can just say it's not because I don't want to be there. I am at a point where my body is so physically exhausted. My mind is so physically exhausted. I wouldn't be present anyway. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't add value to you or to me if I was there. I need to mm -hmm. love my body in this way mm -hmm. or whatever it is. But I think sometimes people get... Or sometimes it's just I'm going through a really rough time and I'm there in spirit. I can't join you all, but I want you to know how much I love you. Would mm -hmm. you please extend this message? If I texted you this, if I sent this, would you read it to the family mm -hmm. and tell them I love them and I miss them? But if possible, show up, give everyone a hug, and be present. Mm -hmm. You'll find that when you get in the car, you're really glad you did. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about unresolved trauma. We're talking about repressed emotion. That's a big, big thing. And, and we haven't really been able, obviously, 
rapidly because of time constraints to really address that. Yeah. But so if, if I could say with the holidays coming up and you know your limitations and you may find yourself in situations that you cannot get out of and you may w- want to show up better than you ever have to situations that you perhaps haven't shown up in the right ways before, there's so much we can do in an hour, in a two-hour session, in a brief period of time, coming to one of my rest events or doing just sitting across from us for a few hours. And we have neurofeedback resources. We have Evox. When I do Evox, I deal with family systems. I deal with attachment. I deal with neurological imbalances. I work through trauma. And in two hours of a, an EVOC session, it's amazing the perception, the change in perception that can take place just mm-hmm. from a two hour session. And you've experienced it, oh, Lindsay. Many, multiple times because it's truly something I would recommend everyone does a couple times, a um, couple times a year, truthfully, mm-hmm. because it, what it does, and we need to do a whole podcast on EVOX, is it helps bring up unconscious, unresolved emotions that your body is holding on to. I love that you brought that up because what I often discuss is my background's in neuroscience, obviously, and I love the brain because mm. I think the brain is the fingerprint of God. We have our personal fingerprint in our fingerprint, but the brain is this infinite system. And the brain runs the body but it operates through the soul, which is the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience of a person, right? Right in that center cavity of our chest. And that soul is what dispenses all the electric magnetic fields, all the energy is dispensed and dispersed. But one thing I love about Evox is that I'm able to help people identify the disparity between the narrative that their bodies carry. And again, it didn't always start in their home. It sometimes begins in, not sometimes, it always begins in the home of the home of the home of our parents, parents, parents. And the circumstances around our conception, there's so many things that goes into these narratives that we carry in our DNA. Mm -hmm. But then there's the stories we tell ourselves about our mom, about our dad, about our life, about what growing up was like. And they're often the disparity between the stories we tell ourselves and the narrative we care in our body. Therein lies the anatomy of our dis-ease. So before we put too much time and emphasis on discussing the difficulty and the challenges in dealing with other people, you know that rest is about reconciling this internal conflict we have within ourselves. So we've got to reconcile those narratives within ourselves. And Evox is just one simple, practical way, tool that we use among many to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful because it can be the game changer Mm -hmm. in an event, in a significant conversation, in a big decision that we have to make. Should I move here? Should I not? Should I do this? Well, let's see what's happening 
among your constituents, mm-hmm. your spirit, your soul, your body. Let's see what that conversation is looking by so, like, so we can reconcile that and you can get the traction you need. Mm-hmm. I know the center also has, I think, a good video of Liliana talking about Evox, mm-hmm. so I'll make sure I include that in the show notes for the audience. If you're listening and you want a little two-minute, three-minute mm-hmm. video on Evox, you can click on that and learn a lot about it. But for the And, in- and Liliana okay. and I also talk about this quite a bit, and, and she and I, she's, uh, she's amazing, and I love working with her so much, but we have fun collaborating. But Evox is like a blood test. A doc- doctors order many blood tests for many different reasons. And Evox... Um, Evox is a powerful tool. I use it more, I use it a little differently in that when, I, when I'm when i working with Evox, I'm looking at how you love, I'm looking at how your brain's attached, I'm looking at what your soul hunger is, how it's manifesting in your body, I'm looking at the things you're recalling and how, and, and, and helping you heal from those things. So now for someone who's listened to this episode, they want to learn more about you and potentially book a session with you. You obviously do sessions in person here at Center for New Medicine, Cancer Center for Healing. Are you also offering virtual sessions or telehealth sessions? I am offering telehealth sessions and that's wonderful. And also you can have a broader understanding of why what my philosophy of healing is because in if you go to virginiadixon.com is where i've kind of laid things out Mm -hmm. a little bit more and there's videos and by the way there's resources to help you navigate some of these discussions Mm -hmm. by way of devotionals i love my utmost for his highest streams in the desert if you've had a lot of trauma in your life and you're really stressed about the holidays and what to do what not to do and there's a lot of confusion and chaos in your personal life and in the life of your family I'd recommend the work of Bessel van der Kolk the body keeps the score Caroline Leaf L-E-A-F neuroscientist and she's written some amazing books Um, you can also get quite a bit of information from YouTube from these authors as well. And Daring Greatly is an amazing book I'd recommend as well. In terms of understanding what makes you tick and how you love, I would get How We Love, I would get Soul Hunger by Dr. Otis Ledbetter, so you can tell when you're about to shift from the impulses of your flesh and your reactivities to the highest calling of your spirit. It'll help you really understand why you do what you do and what are the hungers you're really trying to satisfy in your job, in your encounters, and how you live and how you love. Mm. Soul Hunger is a fantastic book. And How We Love is about attachment. The brain begins to record memory. Memory experts tell us approximately six weeks after conception. And oh, wow. the after psych- conception, after conception, oh, six weeks, wow. that baby begins to record everything. Wow. And the psychology of the parents one year before conception becomes the biology of that child. 
So be careful about the pressure you're putting on yourself and your family. There's this beautiful tapestry of stories that are coming together like rushing rivers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they are manifesting in your beautiful mind and heart and body and you get to reconcile some of those things so when you show up to these events and these wonderful occasions to celebrate life and holidays really show up with enthusiasm to learn more about the people you don't get to see as often as you'd like. You don't know how long they'll be around for. Mm, Yeah. Well, this was absolutely incredible. I feel so filled with peace, as I always do whenever I talk with you. And again, just for the audience, check the show notes because I will include Virginia Dixon's contact information to book an appointment with her So phone number and email that you can book an appointment with her through Center for New Medicine. And again, she does do in person for anyone Mm -hmm. local to Orange County, California, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or anywhere drivable. And then she also does telehealth. So thank you so much, Virginia. You're so welcome. I'm happy to join you today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Perfectly Healthy Podcast. I hope you found that interview with Virginia Dixon so informational, so helpful and encouraging for the holidays to come. And for those of us who feel like we may be needing a little bit extra support this holiday season, we wanted to share a little bit of information about our Tranquility Formula, which is one of the perfectly healthy supplements crafted by Dr. Lee Erin Keneally here at Center for New Medicine. And this is by far and away one of our top selling products. And it blends together key amino acids, vitamins, and herbs like ashwagandha, passion flower, L-theanine, GABA, L-glutamine, L-glycine, 5-HTP, grape seed extract, and more. And it is so beneficial for helping ease anxiety. It can help reduce cortisol levels, helps release dopamine and serotonin production to aid in relaxation. It's a supplement that can be taken daily to help with stress and anxiety or just whenever you feel like you're having an extra stressful day or you're going into a stressful environment like perhaps a holiday gathering, it can be great to take just when you feel you really need it. So the Tranquility Formula is linked in the show notes below and you can also find it online at our shop cfnmedicine.com website. With that, again, I hope you all absolutely loved this interview with Virginia Dixon. If you did, please share it with someone who you think would find this information valuable and hit subscribe and or leave us a positive review if you did find this helpful so that more people can be exposed to this information. With that, we will see you all next time on the Perfectly Healthy Podcast. Mm -hmm.